dream is not a good dream. And every goal is not a good goal. And I have, I used to have a really goofy dream. And when I tell you this, uh, you will see the foolishness of this. But I used to imagine and dream and actually had a goal to ride out a hurricane. I told you I wasn't very smart. And I, I imagined, you know, someday when everyone was flowing away from a hurricane, I, I just thought it would be cool if I would drive in and just kind of get to experience what the weather people experience. And this changed around 10 years ago, and it changed not on the coast, it changed inland. In fact, it changed at the Taco Bell on Indian Lake Boulevard. We had a storm in the area. I grew up in North Texas, so I'm not really intimidated by storms. I kind of feel like I've been through it all. And the kids were real young then. Um, so Abby and Luke were with me. Abby was six. Luke was four. We went through the drive through The rain's coming. And all of a sudden, I'm having a little trouble seeing. So I just parked my car right there in the parking lot. And I thought, okay, let's just let this thing pass. And our car started shaking. And... I grabbed the steering wheel, not that that would do any good, but it just made me feel better. And I held that steering wheel, and the car started shaking. And for about five seconds, I thought, I have taken my toddlers into a tornado. And luckily, it was not one of those big tornadoes because it was straight-line winds. After those five seconds, things stopped. There was some minor damage in the area. And the dream of me... Waiting out a hurricane for two days ended right there in those five seconds. Uh, Storms are, storms come suddenly. Storms come unexpectedly. And when they do come, um, we have a survival mechanism that says, hey, let's, let's just get through this. Let's just get out of this. For today's purposes, we're going to talk about the metaphorical storms that come into our life. They come in different ways. They They come in financial storms. They come in relational storms. Health-related storms where we get a diagnosis or find out information about our our health that just out of nowhere a storm comes into our life. And then we have societal storms. I mean, we're kind of feeling that now, aren't we? Through this weekend with our awareness of, of the really, really sad situation in Charlottesville. And when we pray today, let's remember those who are still hospitalized. What I heard this morning is there, there are five that are in critical condition. And so the story's not over for those five, is it? And so, so we, we need to pray. Let's pray together about that right now. Jesus, we take time right now in this moment to pray for those who are suffering uh, due to the events in Virginia. Restore and heal. Raise them up, Jesus. And we know that only prayer can really solve uh, the rift in our nation. And so we, we pray, Lord, and ask for your help, O oh God. Be with our leadership. Be with um, all people. And let us choose your way of love and respect. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. That won't be our last prayer. But I just thought, let's not risk for the sake of those who are hurting this morning. Let's not risk deferring that to later. So 
the story we read this morning that Dana read for us and we read God's scripture today, it teaches us something about Jesus. It's Jesus that we serve. It teaches us about his characteristics and who he is. And here's the first thing I want to point out from today's passage is Jesus is in the middle of the storm. Jesus appears in the storm. If you're taking notes, you can write that down on the review. And we'll go back and Reread the scripture. Verse 22 says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. He was avoiding the crowds to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, while he dismissed the crowds, and after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. That's not, is that not an encouraging scripture to me? Listen, if Jesus had to get alone to pray, don't you know we need to also? And thank you, Jesus, for your example to us. When evening came, he was there alone, 24. But the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And around three in the morning, he came towards them walking on the sea. I remember preaching this passage when we, when we went through the book of Mark several years ago. And, and, and the, book of Mark, the book of Mark gives different information, same story, but... In the Gospels, we get three different perspectives, three different uh, um, remembrances of, of what happened. And I know this is that three in the morning, nothing good happens at three in the morning, right? I mean, not many of you are awake at three in the morning. And if you are, you're either having insomnia, or you're ill, or you have a terrible night shift, or the other option is you're, you're probably doing something you shouldn't do. Now, I know there's a few of you who like wake up at three in the morning to pray, and, and thank God for you. The rest of us need you in our life, okay? We need you in our life. But often um, at three in the morning is when the storms come. And now this is talking about a physical storm. But let's talk about the, the, the types of emotional and mental storms that come. And when you wake up in the middle of the night, how many know that we're flooded with our worries many times? We're flooded with our anxieties. We're, we're wondering, how is that kid going to figure out? How is that bill going to get paid? Right? Uh, is that diagnosis is it really going to come to pass? I mean, we, unfortunately, guys, uh, the Internet has, has brought many good things to our life. But one thing it has not brought that has not been a good thing is self-diagnosis of sickness and illnesses. Listen, don't, don't do a Google search on your, your illness. Please don't do that. All right? You'll find out the right information at the right time. Ask the Lord. Ask your doctor. But don't ask Google. Because, I mean, that has caused more anxiety and stress. I mean, it's caused more uh, medically, medical issues because of our stress of, like, looking stuff up on our own. But we have to know this, that our emotions are, are a little bit more vulnerable in the night. And that's why I've, I mentioned in our series on prayer, it is something I'm working on myself, is when we, we can kind of sandwich our night with prayer, like start off with our last thoughts, uh, about the Lord and our first thoughts in the morning about the Lord. I, I like it when it works out for me. I'm not 100% on that, but I'm working on it. I know this is important because in the night, our emotions are very vulnerable. And that's a lot of times when the storms can come. And, and, and anxiety and worry and fear of the future and fear of what will take place. And, and I want you to know this is that is when you need Jesus the most. Okay, a lot of times we, we use Jesus just for our own convenience or maybe our own social advantage. I, I remember in, in junior high, I'm just remembering this right now because it's not in my notes, but I'm remembering this right now, that when in eighth grade, when FCA started, I, I, I talked about that football team that cussed a lot last week, if you heard me preach, and, and, and my desire to, to, to 
uh, stop cussing on that football team? Well, all of those guys showed up at FCA the first meeting. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how in the world could this happen? I mean, Jesus got real convenient then. Uh, Jesus got real convenient because uh, that was the cool place to be, the popular place to be. There were, there were social advantages to be there. And sometimes it works out that way. You know, we don't need Jesus when it gives us our own advantage. We need Jesus the most when we're at our deepest fear, when we have our deepest anxiety. And that's what Jesus, that's why he's there. He's right there in the middle of the storm. He's right there with us. Psalm 85, 9 says this. Surely his salvation is nearer to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. You don't need salvation unless you're in a mess. Salvation is not this clean, little, nice, little, marketable word uh, that just just feels good for the people who have it together. Salvation is there for people who are in a mess, who are in the pit, who are in the hole. And listen, that's what Jesus is there for. When, When you are in your worst situation, Jesus is there right in the middle of the storm, the storm that, that maybe you didn't expect, the storm you didn't anticipate, the storm that overwhelms you when waves are coming over your boat and you feel like you're going to see. Jesus is right there in the middle of that. I know children are wonderful. I love them. I love kids. I was a children's pastor. I'm a dad. I'm an uncle, youth pastor, all that stuff. And kids are just great, but they don't listen, do they? They just don't listen. They have selective hearing. They only listen when you don't want them to listen. Then they have bionic hearing. It's just amazing. If I start to whisper with my wife, I mean, everyone's just quiet. But if I'm screaming instructions that are important, nobody hears me. Nobody hears me at all. So, so years ago, we, we had a big family gathering, and we had the cousins over. And so we, we had five little kids in the house, and they were upstairs playing, and Adults, we were cooking downstairs, and a kitchen fire started. And so this, this kitchen fire, it was, it was kind of intense, and smoke alarm was going off, and we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what to do. Water, no, baking soda, all that kind of stuff. So my mom, um, we didn't need her help with the fire. Her job was to get the kids who were playing from upstairs to outside. So she went into, you know, to rescue Grandma Mode, and she yelled, upstairs. Kids, kids, and you just hear them playing, I mean, they're rumbling, stuff's going off the wall. And she said, like, a couple of times, and there was no response. And I, at this point, I could see mom because I had already been, you know, asked to not be part of putting out the fire here. <laughs> My dream of being a fireman ended, right? So I'm watching mom, and I see her take a breath of air, and she yells, Fire, fire, fire. All of a sudden, the kids. <laughs> I mean, it's like dead still. And for, for a moment, for just like one second to two seconds, nobody moves. And then all you hear is all these pitter-patters. And, 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 and five kids run downstairs and run out of the house. Isn't it interesting that, that we only listen really when we're in trouble? Really? That's really the only time we listen is when we're in trouble. Have you been on an airplane in recent years? Nobody's listening to the flight attendant. I mean, there is no eye contact. 
There is no affirming nods. I mean, she's giving like really important instructions, like what to do if a plane goes down in Old Hickory Lake. I mean, that's an important information to have. And, and this is things that she's going over by federal law. She's required to go over this information. Nobody listens. Nobody pays attention. I mean, I am asleep usually on the plane before that speech even begins. But you have seen this uh, portrayed in movies, or, and maybe you've even seen uh, uh, videos of this. Is that in a cr- little smoke, a, little, a problem there? I mean, everyone's life is in the hands of the instruction, are, are, are dependent upon what they hear from the flight attendant. Because when we are in adversity, we begin to listen better. Here's my second point today is Jesus speaks in the storm. Jesus speaks in the storm. Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. And there's a key phrase there, fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. He didn't play tricks with them. As soon as the fear came, the word came. As soon as your greatest fear comes, the word of the Lord is right there for you. God has his word to answer every fear in your life. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Aren't those comforting words to even read right now? Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The idea of this is when the storms of life come and it touches our deepest fears, that's the exact place The presence of God shows up. And if we could have, we do have, if we could use our spiritual ears. As we know, the scripture says, he or she who has ears, let them hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Listen, if we could hear Jesus, he is saying, fear not, it is I. Take courage. Listen, I am right there in the middle of your pain. For some of us, we're not listening to God, and we haven't heard God's voice. And I want you to listen very closely, because some of you are going to miss this. Because you're the Zach people. The Zach people who need to hear what I'm about to say are tuning me out right now. All right? So I want you to hear this. Some of you don't hear the voice of God anymore because your life is too good. Because as human beings, we only hear the voice of God in the storm sometimes, incorrectly. And it takes adversity, and it takes financial hardship, and it takes a messed up relationship, and it takes a tough diagnosis, and it takes some rejection. Then all of a sudden we're like, God, I need to hear you. Can I just tell you that that he will be there for us at that time? He will. Because our God is gracious and loving and his mercies are new every morning. I mean, in fact, the the scripture tells us there that immediately Jesus spoke. Immediately he spoke to the fear. But I want some of you to hear today, you're not hearing God anymore because things are too together in your life. And the Lord is saying, why don't you be disciplined instead of being disciplined? Why are you going to wait for the next tragedy? 
Why are you going to wait for the next bit of adversity? Why are you going to wait for the next bit of trouble? Today is the day to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in the land of prosperity. Seek the Lord when times are good. Seek the Lord when there is disposable income. Seek the Lord while you have health. Seek the Lord while you have relationships that really mean something in your life. Seek the Lord in the good times. Seek the Lord now. Don't be a person who says, I just, I, I just listen to God when tough times come. Listen, God is speaking in the storm. And we'll hear his voice in the storm more clearly if we hear his voice when the seas are calm. Hey, if we're, we're in proximity to Jesus, if we're close to Jesus, if we're around Jesus, then we will know him. We will know who he is. My wife and daughter, who neither one are sitting in the service today, so I'm at a high risk level right now as I tell the story. (laughs) They are such a joy, and they're a lot alike in many ways. Some have called Abby the vanilla Beth, because she kind of looks like Abby, but she she looks like Beth, but she has more blondish hair and fair skin. So often in our home, they burst out in the spontaneous laughter, like, like the loudest laughter you could imagine, the two of them, like a duet of laughter. And what they're often doing is looking at phones and they look at these videos together. And they've tried multiple, multiple times, dozens, we can even say hundreds of times now, well over a hundred for sure, to show me the video and to make me laugh. Guys, I don't find their videos funny at all. I don't get it. I don't understand it. So then I try, I try to fake laugh, and they bust me every time, okay? So, so those internet videos don't make me laugh. But there have been a couple of exceptions of things that I've stumbled across. And one of them I stumbled across this week. And it's a, it's a video of, of a lady in a wedding dress who decides to jump in what appears to be an ocean. It may have been a lake, but it was not a swimming pool. It was a body of water where you could not see the bottom. Has anyone else seen this video? Oh, you have, you have, a, you have an assignment from the Lord this afternoon. <laughs> so, so this video is temporarily horrifying because she jumps, she jumps out of a boat, probably 15 feet, and into the arms of her husband who's, who's like wading in water. But the dress comes over and envelops her. And yes, this is the, the tough part of the video. So for about 10 seconds, she's like underwater. And that, that's the part that's really scary. And then all these people swim to her and pull her out and pull her out. And it, her head pops up. And someone says, you did it, Bandy, you did it. <laughs> now, I want to explain to you something called reverse mentoring. Because I was wanting to show you that video today. But... My, my, my 15-year-old and 13-year-old sons, who, who you would think would enjoy that kind of humor, saw the video and said, Dad, you can't show that at church. You cannot show that at church. So I was corrected. Thank you, Luke, for being your wisdom that I've sown into you, you've sown back to me. Thank you. He's kind of my bodyguard over there, right? Man, he's got his arm crossed. He ain't going to let anyone mess with me. So he took care of me in the video. And now, now he took care of me here. And so, so, the, so, so this video, once you know the girl is safe, like you know she's okay, it is hilarious. <laughs> and I'm laughing now about it. So, so you can go find it somewhere else yourself. So, yeah, so drowning is not, not a funny thing or, or, or being underwater at all. And, and I had a, 
I, I, one, of my, my, one of my earliest memories, one of my earliest memories, I was uh, uh, five years old, probably. We were swimming in the neighborhood, and I had one of those tubular floaties, right? Those, those things that, that were here. And, and I was told to go jump off the diving board in, in the deep end. So I get up on the diving board, and kind of like the, the girl in the wedding dress, but this time it was a little more appropriate. I jump off the diving board, go into the water, and I didn't know how to swim, okay? So I'm in the deep end, and, and, and the tube hits the water, and I just sunk all the way to the bottom. Now, th- this is very scary because, like, I went straight to the bottom of the pool. And, and the crazy thing is that, that um, th- this is really no joke. I mean, you can laugh. You have permission to laugh when I tell you this, but I'm not, I'm not exaggerating or making this up. My life flashed before me. It really did. It was a really weird experience. I mean, it was only five years that flashed, but I mean, I, but, but, but I, to this day, I mean, it didn't take long. I wasn't, I wasn't at the bottom very long, and, and it, it was. I mean, I, I, mean I, I really thought I was going to die. I really thought I was going to die, and, and, you know, you tell these stories, and, and I know that maybe it brings up some emotions of someone you're remembering, and, and so I, I'm thinking about that too, but I, I'm aware of maybe, I hope this isn't too painful for someone, but um, one of the teenage girls like jumped in the pool and I was probably in the bottom like five seconds and, and she yanked me out of the pool, brought me to the surface. And I mean, it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal to me. To me, it was a big deal. And, and it, it made me at a young age remember how fragile life was. And, and, and especially during these summer months, the precautions we need to take and the things that we need to do. And I, I thought about this story because I'm thinking about Peter walking to Jesus. Look at verse 28. He says, Lord, if it's, if it's you, Peter answered him, come, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on water and came towards Jesus. You have here great faith and great risk. In fact, can you really have faith without risk? Right? I don't know if you can. So great faith that personified as risk something no one's ever done that we know of and we have no reason to believe anyone's done it. Peter started walking, climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, right, the storm, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I heard one of the best messages on fear at the leadership summit. Uh, Gary, Gary Haugen shared this message. It's just, it's alive in my heart. I'd already prepared the sermon before the message. But um, this, this idea of fear. Immediately, 31, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when he got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Here's, here's my last point. I'm talking metaphorically here. Jesus won't, will not let us drown. And I'm talking about on the things he's called us to do. When you're moving towards Jesus, when you're taking risk for him. Here, here's the part that I like. He will not let your mistakes ruin you. Okay, I didn't say you wouldn't fall. I didn't say you wouldn't falter. I didn't say that you wouldn't feel like you were drowning or you didn't feel like you were sinking. Because to do great things for God, I mean, we're going to stumble, aren't we? We're going to make mistakes. But when we have our eyes on Jesus and not on the wind, 
when we have our eyes on Jesus and not on the storm, even when we take our eyes off momentarily and we begin to sink, the hand of Jesus is going to reach down and hold us and pick us up and take us. That's why grace is not a one-time event. Grace is a position that we are in perpetually. I mean, even in heaven, we're under grace, aren't we? Right? Because Jesus and God, the Father, the Holy Spirit is sovereign and powerful and almighty and without error and without mistake, and we are not. So I love what Romans 10, 11 says. Now the scripture says this. It's a paraphrase of Isaiah 28, 16. Paraphrase of Isaiah 28, 16. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. You can look that up. I know it's hard to see on the screen right now. It's a mistake I made in putting it in. But you can look up Romans 10, 11, which is paraphrasing Isaiah 28, 16. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus is not going to let your mistakes ruin you. He's not going to let your mistakes make you a permanent failure. Jesus is not going to let you drown metaphorically under the the waves of the storm. He's got you. He's got you. He's there for you. Some of you, I know this, is that you're scared right now. You're scared right now. In fact, when I, when I was praying over that scripture earlier, I felt like that, that was a part when they said, they said, I'm scared. They're, they're scared. Some of you are scared right now. And, and I, I, want to, I, want to, I, I want to identify that with you right now. I, I want to help you identify that. Because one of the greatest steps of overcoming fear is to acknowledge it. And, and when, when we're scared, one of the greatest powers God gives us is when we admit that we're scared. Because when, when we try to act like we're, when we try to internalize that and don't admit it to ourselves, you know, then we, we begin to act out of that fear when we don't even realize it. We begin to act goofy in ways we don't even understand. So it's okay to, this morning to say, God, I'm scared about the situation I am, and that's why I'm turning to you. God, I'm scared about the situation I am. I am in, and that's why I'm looking to you. God, I'm fearful about these challenges in my life. And because of that, God, I'm heading towards you. I'm heading towards you. I want to ask our ushers to begin to prepare to distribute communion because today we have a chance to take communion as one body. If you're visiting with us, most Sundays we will have communion at different tables around the room, and we kind of have it like a optional for those whose hearts are moved and it still is optional today there may be good reasons why you don't want to take communion sometimes christians choose not to take communion for good reasons but everyone is welcome to take communion if you believe in jesus and who jesus is if you believe in jesus and who he is and he's your lord and savior you're welcome to take communion with us today we believe the scripture teaches us that the bread and the cup are symbolic representations of Jesus' body and his blood. We acknowledge that what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection on the third day is the centrality of our faith. 
The scripture points to this event on Calvary. That's the place where Jesus gave his life. And on the tomb in Jerusalem and where he was resurrected. This was the centerpiece of our faith. And we live in response to that right now. We live in response to that. So you'll have a chance to examine your heart. And then together, all of us, we're all going to confess our sins to the Lord. We're going to ask God to make new and fresh in us His love. To make new and fresh in us His power. To keep us centered on who He is. Today, we did not come to church for music. We didn't come here for preaching. We didn't come here to see people. All of those things are beneficial and good. We came here for Jesus. And that's what communion reminds us of. It reminds us, it centers us on Jesus and who he is and his plan for our life. I want to pray with you today. Father, we begin to prepare our hearts. Lord, Lord, I, I pray for those who are scared today. Every single person in this room has been scared at one time or multiple times. Some of us were really scared this morning. And Lord, thank you for the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's your comforter. You know, we talk a lot about the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's a great thing to talk about. But we don't talk enough about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The comforter is here. He's here to touch your deepest need. There's some thing, there may be something in your life you just can't talk to anybody yet about. Can I tell you and remind you that God knows the details of your situation. The comforter is here. You're not alone. You're not alone. You came here with a group of people to worship the Lord because just being in this room is a symbol to you. You're not alone. We have the, the whole community of, of saints, the cloud of witnesses that surround us. So we're not alone. But even more so than this great community that we're part of, there's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here for you to comfort you to comfort you. Thank you for doing that today. We'll pray more about that maybe before we dismiss because the Lord is in this. The Lord is in this prayer right now. Father, as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper, Lord, show us any sins we need to repent of. Lord, help us to repent of attitudes that don't please you. God, center us on this great gospel message that you've entrusted to us. To you be the glory for this. In Jesus' name we pray.